Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Today we are here with Jeff Gross, professional poker player, tech investor, all together, just wonderful dude that you know we've had the pleasure of working with with Lasso and and getting to know over the years. Uh, Jeff, man, we are super stoked to have you on to get into your story. Uh, it's great to be here. I know I've had you on the other side, so you know I'm I'm pleased to to be taking questions and and hanging out, but always a pleasure, and I look forward to it. Jeff, we're gonna we're gonna get into this poker stuff, and you're investing in a little bit. But first things first, from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, as you probably know, we uh, we're, we're both uh, Buckeyes over here. I've honestly never, I'm from Toledo, Ohio originally, but I've actually never actually met someone who's from Ann Arbor proper. Uh, tell us about growing up, in, growing up in Ann Arbor and whether or not your allegiance has ever been questioned to that, that team. Up no, there. I mean, yeah, Ann Arbor is an amazing place. I, it's a great place to raise a family. I, I had a great childhood and I love, yeah, I'm a pretty big Michigan fan. I mean, I didn't go there. I went to the University of South Carolina. I played soccer oh, there, but those are the two universities that I really support or kind of keep up with college athletics. Um, yeah, of course, a big rivalry there with, with Ohio state. I actually was at, the, I went to the last game, um, which was which was a rare win. My game to go to. Yeah, I brought my dad and we had some some friends come in town and it was it was fun. It was snowing and the whole bit and a big obviously Michigan had a, a good season. It's been a while, so that was cool and got the win versus Ohio State. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I you know it's a it's a big sports state and a big town for sure. Ann Arbor with Michigan there and you know, it was a lot of fun growing up and I I got to go to a fair amount of games and you know, there's been some great players coming through there and. A bit, one of the biggest stadiums, if not the biggest, I think, in the country. It kind of fluctuates with with Tennessee. They battle with adding on, but um, yeah, you know, great, great environment for sports and, and a fun, fun town. Just a little cold. Um, that's the only real complaint, but um, cool place to to grow up for sure. Yeah, you never like losing, uh, losing that game. But as Ohio State fans, we really, I think, once we looked back at it, it was like, okay, it's a rivalry again, right? And you want it to be a rivalry. You want it to have that feel of like, we don't know who's going to win, you know? And, and, and historically, it didn't matter who was ranked where. It could be a bad season for Ohio State or a bad season for Michigan. But in that game, it was always a competitive game. And I yeah, think it's, uh, it's, it's good it's, for the rivalry, right? It's fun. It's fun. It's fun to be winning all the time, but it's also fun. You know, you want to keep that. They, they do they do assume that's, that's one of the biggest sports rivalries, which is cool, right? And if one someone just wins forever for two, two decades in a row, probably uh, diminishes that a bit. And and sort of sort of starts getting a little a little weird. So I, I I yeah, it's nice to see a win, and hopefully that gets back to more fifty fifty. So we we Jeff, we run across a lot of coastal people. Do you feel like you feel like nobody really ever gets it, like what it's like being from the Midwest, being into football like that? You know, I do. But the thing is, though, there's some other really big rivalries in sports. So I think some people get it, but unless you sort of have that 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 understanding or some family members or friends that are like involved in one of the big ones. It's, I think it's hard to really put that into perspective because it is a big deal. People take it very seriously. And it's uh, there's, there's genuinely, I would say the word, you know, hate is extreme in sports, but there's, there's really a distaste between you know, the two and people get a little, it can be even violent. It gets nasty. It's almost not safe to go to like the game and where, you know, you're taking a risk if you wear a Jersey there and then, you know, 
show any signs of uh, disrespect or whatever, you could you could find yourself in a weird situation. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen kind of fights and different things break out over the years, and uh, you definitely gotta be careful. I mean, anytime you're anytime you're a sport fan, you go to an away game, and if you get rowdy or disrespectful, you're, yeah. you're up for a risk. But I think certain areas are more so. Um, you're taking a bigger risk. So there's no there's no place worse than Philadelphia when you go to a football game and you're a rival. Um, but yeah, it's it's the, it's the nature of the beast. But I do think overall, surprisingly, in the last last few years, last decade or so, um, the Michigan Ohio State rivalry overall has has not been uh, littered with kind of some of the older scenes of cars being lit on fire and yeah. <laughs> and things of that nature. Um, you grew up an athlete first right you played soccer i played soccer for a little bit it's a very uh competitive sport and a unique one in the united states because globally it's the most popular sport if you're a kid that's what you want to do and throughout the throughout the world but in the in the u.s it's kind of like the secondary sport like you have basketball you have football but in that area and being from that area soccer is huge um tell us about about that did you grow up playing club and really competitive and 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 how did you um how was that part of your life yeah i mean i so i started playing soccer when i was four years old i think i i played reckon ed you know the first two seasons i remember i scored one goal each season and then in my third season i had like 30 something goals and just kind of like took off and just got really into it and i didn't play other sports like i wasn't playing basketball and baseball and other stuff i just only played uh soccer and then you know, I went through, I was playing, our club team was very good in Ann Arbor, but the way it works there is, you know, most states, there's generally one or two teams that are just dominant. So the, those clubs were Vardar and Michigan Wolves in our in our state. And then my particular age group, Michigan Wolves wasn't super strong. It was a little bit closer, had more upside. And then like at one point, sort of our team disbanded, you know, it was like getting time towards high school where it was like, you need to get serious. You either go to one of these clubs if you want to go to the, the major tournament showcases and travel and get looked at by colleges and whatnot. So I basically went to the Wolves. A couple of my other good friends went to Vardar. Vardar was like state champion every year in that age group. And, and the Wolves were probably like the fifth or sixth best team. But I knew the club pedigree and that, it, you know, they were going to get to the right places, the right showcases. And then we ended up, you know, winning state championship, beat Vardar in penalty kicks. I was captain of the team. Uh, and then the next year we beat them six zero in the biggest year, junior year of, of, of high school. And so our team, you know, kind of, it was fun to take that from a great club, but, uh, needed some help into the, the best team in the state as it was kind of segueing out. And then, yeah, I kind of randomly went to, um, University of South Carolina and just looked at a few different places, took visits to Michigan, other, you know, I went to Stanford for unofficial visits, some other schools and across the country, but ultimately South Carolina showed the most interest and was one of the last ones that saw me. And I just, you know, I wanted a change of scenery, go somewhere warm, um, had been working really hard. Mich Pioneer, really hard school, like a lot, like it's crazy. My, my high school is way harder than my college. Not that South <laughs> same, Carolina. Same issue I had. <laughs> yeah, not, and I think it's like a Ivy League school, you know. So my parents went to Ivy League schools. I was, I think, I disappointed them a little bit going to yeah. South Carolina. It's not known for um, you know, the best academic school in the country, but it was, it was fun. I had a great time, made some great friendships, had an awesome time there, and I kind of got into poker um, and and sort of soccer. As it's just funny because my whole life I was like, you know, very close with my coach, like captain of my team. 
great relation with my coaches. I went to South Carolina, a little bit Bible Belt. This guy, Mark Burson, was there since day one, been there like 50, 40 years. I mean, literally the longest coach in Division One history, retired, I think, last year now. Um, but I didn't really get along with him. He knew I played poker. Uh, we just didn't really cl click. It was just, it, some reasons, the first time I ever didn't really get along with a coach. And I also kind of had found poker um, very seriously going into college, like my sophomore, junior year of high school, senior high school, and then freshman. So I was just like immersed in poker, love poker. And I, it was kind of perfect for me because I didn't really care. I had sort of like figured I wasn't going to play professional soccer. And then I started really playing a lot of poker. And it was great because I kept in shape. I was on a Division One team. And I got a partial uh, athletic scholarship. And it was fun for me. And I got to like train, not have to worry about the games where I could be up late. I didn't really get to play much my first two years at all. And then I was just kind of like staying in shape, a part of like a fraternity, if you will, without the fraternity, um, being on a team. And it was kind of the best of both worlds. And But poker shifted into my my, my big passion. You but mentioned – go ahead. What was it about poker that, you know, got – I mean, clearly you have that kind of competitive drive. Where where was the moment with poker that that switch kind of flipped that it went from like, you know, I think for me, I haven't I haven't understood poker in that way yet, where it's like it's something I've played. You know, I have not found the art of it in the way that, you know, you do the same way you would find it in soccer or any other sport. Do you remember the moment where it clicked for you like, hey, this is something I could really do? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, so party poker back in the day had these refer a friend things and, and people were, it was very easy, you know, because I was like 15, 16 and a couple guys started playing and they were sending money, right? You could just have an account, player to player mm -hmm. transfer. So there's no like verifications, IDs, like you could literally just anyone could play, yeah, which is kind of crazy. There. And so like you would, you know, I was like started playing on there and, you know, $50 a couple times and then kind of ran up some money and then all of a sudden like we'd start playing with friends 25 cent 50 cent buying for 20 dollars 10 dollars stuff like that but you know i was just kind of winning against my friends like I, I just always i played video games since i was five years old i love board games i love games and so then i was like oh you can actually win um real money and do you know stuff that was kind of cool so like i just kind of went from never having a job um to like doing this and then all of a sudden there's these refer a friend programs like affiliate deals where you could sign up so-and-so. And this was like my freshman year of college when I was like signing up everyone. I signed up like three or 400 people in the dorms. Like I would literally go door to door. You would send them $50, you get a 25 bonus and they would get a $50 bonus if you played like 125 ranked hands. So like I was like basically helping and showing people and playing. Then all of a sudden I just like, I was getting these crazy bonuses. I mean, I was making like four or $6,000 a month from uh, some months in college, like my freshman year. And then I was showing my roommates how to do it and they were sub affiliates and we were paying for our spring break like this. And I just like that, I just started making money as a, like almost a business early from poker. That was kind of when I was like, this is cool. This is what I like. And you know, it was just so soft. Like the games were so, so good back then. It's really changed. There's like, there's, you know, poker's gotten harder. Um, although it's growing and, and live poker is amazing online, there's some softwares and people are getting just better. Similar to chess backgammon, there's programs to teach you. Like you may think as a as a at a at a very low level, like oh, it's like poker. I get ace king or I get pocket aces, and like I, you know, I go to flop and it's luck and this and that. But you know, there's it's a very 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 intricate game. I mean, there's if you were to dive into some of the solver streets and stuff, like there's there's endless possibilities on boards. You know, whether you have ace king in the first position or on the button, and the board is you know king queen four, or if the board's five five seven two hearts one diamond or all hearts monotone. Like there's just so many different board textures and sizes. It's so infinitely complex that there's a reason why you see the top, you know, the high roller circuits with 
100K, 250K buy-in, the best, you know, some business people compete, but the best players are just, they're so good, they're so sharp, and they're so mm -hmm. polished. Like, you know, I consider myself um, a very good poker player, but like, you know, I'm not in the solver streets anymore. I'm not doing day-to-day -day studying. Like, these guys are working hard. Like, they're doing four or five hours studying a day. They're reviewing, they're, they're really pushing forward. And like, for me, I'm more of like a content creator now. I play in some great cash games. You know, I, I feel very comfortable in any tournament, but I just realized like at a, at a fundamental level, um, you know, they're, they got, they, there's some great players and, and people are getting very good at poker and there's ways to improve and study and bet size matter. If there's a hundred dollars in the pot and you're playing with your friends in a cash game and you bet $20 on the flop with, with a, with the top set, let's say of aces, again, I, I don't know if I'm speaking uh, gibberish here, but <laughs> you know, like the, the point is like, you're, there's so much control on what you do. And like, if you're betting 20% of the pot versus 80% mm -hmm. of the pot, or even like 60% versus 70%, like that, that matters a lot, right? If you're playing a cash game with your friends every day and you're betting $60 into a hundred instead of 70 into a hundred into a spot, if you're playing, you know, two times a week, eight hours a day for a year, you know, that adds up a lot, the EV, especially if you're playing bigger games. And like, there's a lot of bet sizings and things that people just have no idea, literally zero clue. And it's just like, it's an advanced thing. And that, and it's, that's not even that one of the more complex principles, but there's just so much into it. And it's such a beautiful game. And you know, it's something that, you know, you realize like you're not going to compete with the best athlete in the world one-on-one -on -one, or you can't go do this, but like in a game where poker just brings so many different types of people, different, different, you know, all different types of, of um, it just bridges the gap. It's a melting pot and people can go in there and you can, be talking with the tycoon in business or one of the best athletes in the world or, or mm -hmm. whatever. Right. And it's just like in one area, you guys can all kind of hang out and mesh and anyone can win. There is that element of luck, which is nice. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's an amazing, it's an amazing game. And, you know, I had a, I had a phase where I, where I got really into it, but I realized too, just like you did to, to, to really be good. And I was playing in a lot of the New York underground games and tournaments and going to Atlantic city when I lived in New York, what you realize is, like you said, there is a difference, just like there's a difference between an amateur soccer player and a professional soccer player. There's a significant difference between the people who put the time, the hours in. And it's just like anything else. It can burn you out. It can it can it can be challenging right uh, to play poker. And then in addition, you alluded to something earlier with your soccer coach. It seems like in the last 15 to 20 years, poker is starting to lose some of the taboo that was attached to it as like gambling and becoming more mainstream now and more accepted in pop culture. And, and, and generally people are understanding, Hey, that this game is actually a game of skill. It's not just a whole bunch of degenerates uh, with, with gambling addictions, always playing it. Right. So how was that part? Because you, you mentioned earlier, like, uh, you know, your parents both went to Ivy league schools you went down to South Carolina to play soccer. And how was that kind of shift for you, understanding the taboo to getting your family, your friends, the people you care about, to understanding that this was something that was real and that you could be really good at it and it could be something that you could make a career out of? Yeah, I mean, my parents were very supportive. Luckily, I, you know, I, that's not always the case with in general. And obviously, kind of if you want to call it gambling or poker, right, it's a little bit, um, you know, yeah, it's probably not what you're just as a default, your parents want to hear um, where it's like, oh, I'm going into this. But it was just very easy transition where I was like, all right, look, I, I have a scholar. I'm playing soccer. I can't really have a job in college <clears throat> based on. So it was perfect. Right. I can pop in and out, play some cash games. It was very easy. And my parents didn't even they didn't expect me to have a job while I played 
soccer and went to school. So it's like, it was just kind of like, all right, like now I'm doing this as well. And it's on yeah. the side. And then by the time I graduated college, you know, I'd already had some success, had some six figure tournament scores. And my dad had seen me do well in local casino there in Windsor, Canada. Like he had come up with me and saw that I had done well. My dad actually got into poker, started loving it, learning it, seeing that it was a skill game. And my mom was just very supportive. So it was never like a, you yeah. can't do this, don't do that. And then it was just sort of like instantly into a, um, you know, I was just playing. I was just sort of like I was out of college and now it was like time to kind of have fun and experiment and then just sort of never did anything else. Um, and that was so there was really never pressure from them to do something else or not try poker. And it just kind of naturally progressed. And that was it. I mean, I literally never. So you, never did you ever have, did you ever have a time like when during that early phase where you had doubts, personal doubts on whether or not you wanted to keep going or was it just something that was smooth for you as well? You know, not not really. I I never really questioned it. I honestly probably should have, but there was it was just kind of like, you know, I always had responsibility school um, and soccer my whole life. And then when I graduated, I moved in kind of kind of random. But Michael Phelps, the the swimmer, I met him actually playing poker at um, the university. I'm sorry, I met he was going to Michigan. I was from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I met him when I was probably 18. I think 2006. So. Um, was yeah, like I don't even know how old. Nineteen, maybe it was, and I met him, and then we we hit it off, became very friendly, and then all of a sudden, basically, like he was just kind of like, oh, you know, why don't you come live with me after college? Because he loved poker, he was playing some poker, but I mean, yeah. obviously, training very hard. He lived in Baltimore, and I could be anywhere, like because I was traveling around, could play online poker back before Black Friday, which is a big day in you at you at poker history. Where two thousand eleven, they stopped allowing people to play in the U.S., which basically changed everything. But you know, so this was like 2008. So I moved, finished South Carolina, moved in with him, was living with him and, you know, I could play online poker there. Uh, and that was just kind of like my time to just let loose. I wasn't working out, wasn't training, didn't have school and was just playing cards and playing a lot of online poker. And, you know, that was um, a couple of year period where I got to just kind of no pressure, no, no stresses, try that, go to the world series, go out to Vegas, play some tournaments. And you know, again, I had a couple successful, uh, scores within the first few years with significant winnings from a tournament, um, you know, world poker tour, deep runs, world series, deep runs and, and caches. And then I was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know? And then I, that, that was it. So Jack, what, what's your like style of play? If you were to kind of sum that up. I mean, I think I'm known historically to be more conservative, you know, even just from like bankroll management, which is a big part of poker is, is not like shooting your bankroll, right? You should have X amount of buy-ins for tournaments or X amount of cash game buy-ins, right? Like you don't want to go broke. So if you're if you're a good poker player and you even kind of move up the stakes, you never want to risk too much where you could jeopardize basically going broke, which a lot of people have. Um, it's not like the worst thing, especially if you're early, earlier in your career and take shots, you can maybe get staked or not. But I've always just been very conservative. So I would say I've, I, I'm like, I don't want to say tight, but I'm on the more risk adverse side. Although you know, I have my games like become a hybrid and you know, I've changed a lot and learned a lot and, and things have, have shifted. But like I, I'd say on the, on the general overview, I could say that I'm more patient, more uh, conservative. I mean, I'm not running like super high variance, crazy all in bluffs all the time. Now, of course you have to bluff and there are bluffs I'll make, but like, I think if you were to look at me and if you're someone who, who knows my game and plays with me on the tour, they're going to be like, all right, he's usually has it. He's pretty solid and he's not making like kamikaze, uh, yeah. irrational plays. Yeah. You, allu you alluded to that. Right. And it's, it's, it's so alludes to life, right. Which is discipline, patience, 
those traits are mentioned in poker a lot as you need to have them. But the truth is it's, it really tests you when you play more and more to continue to maintain that discipline. And I've found with the players that I know that do really well, it's always the ones that obviously know the game, but they really have the most discipline and patience, right? And it's a hard thing, even when you play a lot, to continue to be that. And what I've also found with players like you who play as much as you do, it's harder to stay patient and disciplined when you play so much. How do you kind of do, how do you keep yourself in that kind of conservative mindset considering how much you actually play? I mean, the things that, so I play a lot less. I streamed on Twitch from, let's say, 2015 late till 2020, 21, where I was like pretty intensive and streaming a lot. And then the last year, so it's like, I, you know, I have a three-year-old son this week. He'll be three. I'm married. Uh, yeah. I have my own podcast. I have a lot of kind of responsibility and stuff that I do. So I, I play much less, like yeah. especially tournaments, which are a big grind. That's generally what I played online is like, you know, and those, those take, you don't know how long it's going to take. You're essentially, you know, call it eight to sit 14 hours on a given day when you play and stream it's it's hard to carry that right on twitch to talk to people that you're not even there talk to you're talking like the the chat and it's it's a lot so i put that grind in but you know now i'm more focused on business um and more focused on other ventures and like i love poker it'll always be a part of what i do but i'm not like going to a you know i live in south florida hard rock beautiful brand new 1.5 billion dollar casino state of the art I got great games and stuff there. I never go there. You know, like I'm yeah. never just going in and playing cards. Like I have playing some private games, uh, some app stuff. And then obviously like I'll still stream and do some things. Bit of a transition period right now. Just finished three years of party poker and just signed a deal with a new site, uh, which is being announced this next week. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I keep busy, but I'm just not, it's not like my daily. I'm not playing poker daily, maybe once a week, twice a week. Um, and even so, I'll take a month off or two months off. Um, and it just depends, you know, so it's not like, uh, it's not like I'm playing for a living anymore. That's not my, my main thing. That's good. It's a great vehicle. It's you, you mentioned it earlier. I've, I've made a lot of great relationships, um, just playing poker, you know, you, you sit at a table, you get to know people. Um, and it seems like that's what you've done is you've, you've, you obviously built a reputation in the space, but you figured out how to utilize those relationships to kind of transition into other areas, which a lot of people don't figure out, right? When did you kind of have that moment where obviously you mentioned your family and everything where you were like, okay, I'm, I'm going to fall back here. I'm really good at this. I've proven what I needed to prove, but there are other challenges that I want to face in life. And then also the other thing is how did the game of poker and what you learned through poker help you specifically in, in the world of business? Yeah, I mean, I think I, the, the coolest thing about poker is it really does teaches you a lot of life lessons in a quick period of time. You know, you just get exposed to so many situations that are high frequency where bad luck, good luck, you know, how you win, how you lose, uh, how, other, how you handle other people's winning and losing. Similar to golf, you know, if you golf with someone, right, like you get to in business, you kind of get to understand them, how they are, how they celebrate your success, how you, they, you, you know, if you're throwing your club and hitting the ground or if you're like, if your people can cheat or, you know, you can see someone who's doing something that's kind of unethical or something that's like kind of dodgy, you can kind of get to know someone pretty quickly. So I just think poker really teaches you a lot of, um, you know, in a, in a, in a close space, you're getting a lot of, a lot of interaction with people and, and learning about yourself and others. So, um, you know, I think you can apply it to business, to real life, um, in a, in a big way. And I think that that's, that's, that's one of the biggest benefits about it is also too, you get to meet a lot of cool people, interesting people, 
lot of my biggest, you know, learnings and growings have been through poker directly or indirectly. And a lot of my closest relationships I've met from literally at a poker table or from a friend who met someone at a poker table. And, um, you know, that, that to me is pretty, that's cool. It's powerful. And and something again, that's why like, I literally wouldn't change for anything. I wouldn't, I I don't think I'd rather be doing anything or have done anything differently. Um, maybe I could have made more money trading potentially or some other stuff at the time, but it's all, I look at it like a journey, a process and, you know, my relationships foundation and sort of understanding, I think in general too, in life, like I'm very, like, I understand variance in results and not being mm-hmm. results oriented. You know, if I make an investment, it doesn't work out. I'm okay. If I, if a stock market goes down or crypto goes down or up, like I'm pretty even keeled, like whether yeah. it goes well or not. And I think that's also like a lot of people don't, aren't equipped to handle uh, wins and losses very well. Uh, and that's something that, you know, having swings, pieces of people, pieces of tournaments, um, different, different ventures and things like I'm just sort of uh, numb to it in a way, in a good way though, like where I'm just like, I accept, you know, I don't, I don't, I try not to be results oriented. Like COVID happens, um, you know, a lot of businesses shifted, good or bad, things change quickly. You have to understand too, you know, variance in life. It's like, there's a lot of, lot of different things that can happen, good or bad, whether it's personally with people in your life, the events, with the world mm-hmm. stuff. So I think that that is kind of a, a way of, um, you know, poker gives you a good op- good opportunity to digest and, and learn and not tilt, if you will, the word, you know, get upset, yeah. get emotional um, on things. And of course, like it's great to win and have success. And we all, you know, it's good to have a drink or a party and, and celebrate a bit. It's also, if things don't go well, you don't want to be a robot where it's like it doesn't affect you, but you don't want to let it, you know, no bad days. You don't want to let it kind of kind of crush you and, and take, you know, take the wind out of your sails. Um, but again, I think it just sort of gives you a lot yeah. of ways of dealing with life and different different events um, in a better way and, and getting constantly getting to yeah. understand that. One of my personal mantras is life is all about tilt management. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my dad told me it's not about what happens. It's how you react what happens and i think that's that's kind of goes without saying but it's sort of like something you don't think about enough and also he, he the big thing he told me uh was to lose as if you like it and win as if you expect it you know it's sort of like yeah. if you win a huge hand it's like you don't need to celebrate and throw in someone's face it's kind of like all right yeah of course i won right like you know i i'm you i'm expecting to win and if you lose you know like a guy at the poker table who takes a two outer on the river for a big pot and he's you know like standing up and throwing stuff and cursing the dealer, like that guy probably doesn't have a shit together and it's too meaningful. You know, if you smile, like you take a bad beat, and you just kind of laugh it off or say nice hand to the guy or like, you know, you genuinely, not even like kind of, you know, just in a way where it's like, look, nice hand, showing them happy for you or, you know, look, you got lucky there. It would have been me. I would have played the same and I could have got lucky. It's like a nice hand. Like that's the guys you want to kind of surround yourself with, be with and, and understand they likely have their stuff very together, you know, and they, and, and again, that's, uh, that's important. I think to, to how do, do you how do you do that um, kind of in in real life with well, I guess it's all real life but when it comes to business um, the uh, obviously the bankroll management philosophy applies the way um, you know I've seen you move in terms of how you think through investments how you think through connecting dots and just your entire ecosystem it's a very um, intentional setup that's really really consistent and I think one thing I really admire about you is that consistency. Um, whether it's in poker or anywhere else, you don't really go up and down a lot. How how have you been able to transfer that mental state? And then what elements of what you've already described from your poker strategy, you know, kind of like specifically apply when it comes to how you approach, whether it's investing or setting up your businesses? Um, yeah, I mean, the 
Well, I, just, I start with an example. I'll say one thing for this. So Rob Young, who was um, party poker, that's why I just did a three-year deal with them. You know, I actually was playing a pretty high-stakes poker game uh, with him, just as an example on this. Like this was 2019, a couple months before my son was born. I was playing a you know big cash game. I lost like a $350,000 pot to him where I had aces and he had kings, and we ran it all in preflop. Ran it once. He made quads. And I was like, just about to renegotiate my deal with Poker Stars, and we were in the Bahamas. They had a special 25k event, um, PSPC. It was like this, you know, huge, huge guarantee, huge tournament, big week down there. And I was, my contract was up with them to resign. It was like January 10th. We were playing, and January 30th, my deal was over. He basically was, to, and then I lost his hand to him, and it was a huge pop for me. And you know, he's the owner of Party Poker, and like we just kind of. Um, talked and hit it off and like I just kind of laughed it off smiled and was like you know whatever and then sure enough next thing you know we're having some talks he flew to Miami the next week and then I came over to party poker and I had never I didn't know his phone number you know he, we knew each other we had played once before but no connection then all of a sudden you know, he signed me brought me over I brought a bunch of guys over we like created this whole twitch team and plan and you know that was just like an example of where it was a really bad moment like one of the worst beats I've taken and for the most money and you know, next thing you know, I'm working with the guy and a part of the the team, um, and, and sort of like shifted my whole path and career, and got involved with another project of his that's doing very well, and and now you know, something I have to spend time with and work on. So yeah, just like again, like these are things that uh, to kind of I don't know if that answers your question. It's like one example of like directly how something can happen and, and ch transform within business and opportunity and a table and dealing with um, you know some adversity and, and a negative in the moment thing turns into a positive. Um, I don't know if that answers your question again, or if to kind of highlight on that, that's just like a, a real life example of business and poker and coming to sort of fruition uh, in, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a spot. I love that just because it, it shows such a, you know, such a dynamic way of looking at things. I think we've all been in a situation in life where things haven't panned out exactly how we've wanted, but you know, I think, I love the, I love that quote you just gave from your dad lose like you like it and win like you expect it. Um man, I mean if if you can handle every situation in life like that, I think a lot of us can look back and think how many times we could have turned things that we interpreted as bad news into really great opportunities. Yes. Yeah. You know the the other thing that I that poker probably has allowed you to and you alluded to it again in your last your last um statement was that it allows you to travel a lot right and you get to go to places you get to experience cultures you get to actually see so much more than what you probably would see with a regular job right tell us about that how do how you think that traveling and experiencing cultures experiencing countries has also helped you in life i mean you know traveling getting to see different places that's why i try to make a point when i go to um you know, when I go to places, I want to try to see as much as I can. Because uh, originally, when I was traveling, a lot of the same destination stops. You know, I think it would be like, oh, come in the day of or the day before, and then play, and then sort of you get you're tired or burnt out, or, and then you mm -hmm. kind of just go. But I mean, it's 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 similar to you know a lot of athletes too. I think they get to go to a lot of cool places and stuff. They don't necessarily get to see everything or get to experience it because it's kind of in and out and quick. Um, but yeah, I try to make a point to 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 get to see the the venues and places I go to and, and spend time there. And it's definitely been a blessing. Like I got, I think twenty thirteen and fourteen, I took like a hundred flights in the in the year each year. Um, 
in the calendar year. So like I've, I've got to cover a lot of ground and I definitely think that I've, yeah, as you realize you get older, you have kids, like I have a kid now, um, you still travel, but it's different. And, you know, just really being able to take advantage of, of getting to go to a lot of different places and, and a lot of different experiences and meeting people and getting to see some cool things. Like that's definitely, again, one of the, the best things about pokers and being a professional poker player was your own schedule and, you know, not having to report to anyone, kind of being able to do what you want when you want to. So um, that was that was great. And yeah, I've been to, I've traveled a lot and I, I enjoy that a lot. So that's that's definitely something I, I'm very, very thankful for and you know, hopefully continue to travel and go to new places. But, um, you know, that's something I've, I've definitely done a lot of in the past and it's been great. How uh, how rigid do you keep your schedule, Jeff? No, I'm always looking to optimize, you know, I, I'm sure we're, you know, we're in the matrix, right? That's the definition is, is a, of, of a simulation that constantly improving and optimizing. And that's kind of like what I do. I got my 430, 38-inch LG monitors here and I got my schedule and all my stuff and I have processes in place, but it's, it's um you know, it's, it's, it's rigid. I'd like to get more rigid. It's just, it's just a bit tricky, right? Because you now even like for a podcast, which I've spent a lot of time on, I have 170 episodes now on my main podcast and I actually have a couple, two other side project podcasts with a friend of mine, Brian Rast, and one other one with this coin rivet, uh, which is Lux. And I was telling you the Rob Young, that's investment mm -hmm. thing. I'm helping them on sign. It's like, it's hard because like you're not on your the schedule. That's only yours, right? You have to like, kind of coordinate with other people. Mm -hmm. So in the dream world, you know, it would be like, all right, here are my slots for podcast twice, a, twice a week, uh, these times and, and just sort of fill it in. And honestly, there are some people I know like that Elliot Rowe. I don't know if you're familiar with him part there. Have been I haven't run into him yet. He, he's kind of, you know, he's he's been known as is one of the, the best um, kind of mental coaches and, and people in poker, and he he works with a lot of business types and whatnot. But he he's very organized too. It's like almost like, look, here's my schedule. You book in. Here's my stuff for the for the podcast. Like, I, there are things I I could probably do better and get more organized. But like, also with my son, right? I know like he goes to school at this time. If I want to see him in the morning, I got to be up at this time. You know, breakfast, take him to school. I know he's back from school at this time. So it's like trying to schedule stuff at this time or at night. So like I, I, I like to block off things that I know and, and be as, as um, regimented as I can. But to be fair, I, it's a work in progress. And even like getting up early, you know, it's not something I generally go to bed a little later, just kind of the nature of I'm, I'm built that way um, and just poker in general and some of the games and stuff and schedule wise. So like I'm not like a 5 a.m. wake up cold, cold plunge. <laughs> um, you know, yoga guy, I, I would like to, to get that, that point I'm working on it. But, you know, even today I woke up at like, you know, nine 45, had a 10 o'clock call. So I haven't done, I, I have, I'm playing and actually have a game later today, but I would like to, I'm going to try to get it in the Peloton. I have a, a body fat percent bet. Um, now, so I'm, I'm I got a trainer scheduled stuff, like scheduled trainer stuff through Perkins. I did a DEXA scan. It was a little heavier than I'd like. So I'm trying to get down to 10% by August 1st, body fat. Um, nice. so like, you know, but still it's like now I'm already struggling. Like I'm behind today because I need to get a workout and a Peloton ride in. And it's like, I don't know where I'm going to, how I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, I, I definitely could get more efficient. I'm always looking for hacks on that. Like say, cause I don't need to sleep as much as I do, but I'd really do like to get eight plus hours, you know? So like, I think that the way to do it is shave it off where it's like, look, I'm just getting up at six 30 or seven you know, even maybe before my son, like in a dream world, I'd get up at seven, knock out my workouts, um, take my son to school and then kind of get my day. But that is not always the case. Um, yeah. But I'm pretty organized. Like I have a lot of like Trello, 
uh, Asana, Slack, <laughs> these different things. Like I, I have, uh, I have a team, I have processes in place, but it's still like I am. You it's know, hard. I'm all over the place for sure. Yeah. Just a, just a follow up question to that. You mentioned you're married. You have a kid. You're a poker player. You are a podcaster. You have all of this going on. It, it probably takes a great degree of understanding from your partner to yeah. to to be with someone who has your lifestyle. Question on that: How do you how do you maintain that balance and make sure that your child and your wife know that you are committed to them as well, just as much as you are to your career? Because it's like you said, it can get crazy at times. Yeah, I mean the the good part is you know I did a lot of the foundational work. You know, my, it's also my dad always tell me it's like kind of build your name, build your reputation, build build your your work ethic early and then it sort of is a little easier later right because it's like you know look at it in poker just for example like antonio espandiari one of my best friends phil helmuth very close you know part of lasso and we're on some projects and and, and things together daniel grounder like these guys put in a lot of time and work to build their name they put the time in on the tv shows and the, the tours and got their results and did their accolades and then you know now they, they still around but like those names are known like you know you just if you know poker you know those names it doesn't yeah. matter like they, they play a lot less maybe work they don't do quite as much. Um, and actually some of those guys are still very active and, and still play and show up and do things. But the point, you know, Phil Ivey, for example, too, like he could disappear for five years, come back and he's still Phil Ivey and people know him. So, you know, now it's sort of been more modern day with Twitch, Twitch, YouTube, there's a lot of content creators. There's a lot of people doing stuff. So like, I kind of looked at it like, look, I'm going to go hard for several years, kind of build my database and platform. It's almost like a, a diminishing returns, you know, like whether I stream, every day this year or 10 times for the year if I do a YouTube video every day or not. You know, it's like, it's, I think if people in poker know me, whether they like me, they don't like me, like you probably, if you like poker, you've seen a YouTube video, you've seen a podcast, you've seen it advertised, you've seen me on social media somewhere. Yeah. So it's like, I've kind of like built that foundation at least to put the work in on that level. And then, you know, I actually genuinely enjoy it and I still do stuff, but I do feel like less pressure. Like I feel like I can do kind of less. I don't have to do as much. And I also trying to repurpose content. Like that's one of the nice things about a podcast. As you guys know, it's like you have these guests, you talk to people, like you have an hour of, of footage or clips or whatever. You can repurpose that. Yep. It takes a lot of work though to comb it, yeah. to find yeah. it, to do it. But like in a dream world, like how I look at it now is I have a database to have people kind of go through a comb it, take clips, take things. And then, um, you know, in theory, I could not do anything for, I would figure five or 10 years. And I have so many streams on Twitch of eight or 10 hours yeah. and clips and highlights. I have podcasts, I have a YouTube channel with highlights and clips I have. So like I have stuff that I can kind of repurpose or use. And I don't feel like it's, you know, I haven't streamed on Twitch in a, in a while, maybe like three or four months or five months, like actually stream. And maybe I'll turn it back on and do some of that. Part of that is because of the US, like I can't actually play on a, like GG or poker stars or party poker here like right where I am the second, which wow. is annoying. So I have to like, that was another thing, like being Twitch was crazy. I was in the road, I was in Brazil, I was in Mexico, I was in Canada in a laptop with a monitor, a second bag, shitty internet, having to plug in, undo, take it, Airbnbs, hotels. Like, I mean, it was such a grind. Whereas now, like, you know, I have a, I have my setup, I got my mic, good mic, I got great camera, I got great internet, comfortable chair. Like if I could stream poker right here every day, I would do it, it would be super easy for me. But you no, know, I was. I think I was operating around forty to fifty percent capacity for those years on the road. Um, and like, hopefully, U.S., Miami, you know, Michigan, or uh, Florida will will um, 
come on eventually, but who knows? That could be years or whatever. It could take a while. Michigan is actually my home state, you know, Ann Arbor, where I live. My parents are there. I have a, I have a studio set up there, so it's easy for me to do podcasts or play. Now you can play online there, but it's only versus the people in that state. So it's not – well, actually, I think they're combining with um, New Jersey, Nevada. But, yeah, the point is it's not like it's just like, oh, you go on and you're playing the world tournaments and, like, the biggest prize pools. It's, it's still segregated, kind of closed off. But, um, you know, to answer your question, that is uh, – that's, that's a bit of the, the reality of it all. And, and now, you know, I just – again, I feel like it's fun for me to do a podcast. I can do that from here and, and comfortably and wherever I am. I don't have to worry about where what fencing or – I'm allowed to do that. Um, and, you know, I'm just kind of repurposing and kind of moving forward and, and uh, you know, less of a committed thing. So my wife and son, like I, that is a priority for me. And hopefully, you know, that it'll be, I get more and more time with them. But it's also hard to say no, because it's just like, yeah. there's constantly more projects. There's always a podcast to do. There's always a YouTube video. There's always a TikTok or, you know, some <laughs> new thing, like uh, building that now or whatever, like, all this stuff, right? It's just, there's always more. And like, I have that mindset where I just love to c- kind of push the limits and, and, and expand. And, you know, you, it is sacrifice. It is balance. And um, it's not easy. I think that, again, the biggest thing you can do is sort of find times like, ha- it sounds corny, but have a date night, you know, have some blocked off time, tr- try to put your phone away for hours at a time or, you know, at night before my son goes to sleep, make sure I read him. If I'm home, you know, Talk him in, read him a book, spend those couple hours with him, no phone. You know, those are big, that's like the way to do it, right? It's, and yep. it's easier said than done, but, you know, it is a priority for me and it's it's hard. So That's a good answer. It is. It's just figuring it out, right? A lot of it's just figuring it out. Um, we're going to get you out of here soon. I know you're, you're, you're busy, um, but wanted to ask you a, a question here. I recently came on as an investor and partner over at, at Lasso. I want to take you and ask you about that. You know, you are, you say you're pretty meticulous in your decision-making. Um, what attracted you to, to, to Lasso and, and what made it make sense to you as an investment? It's a good question. I mean, I, I more bet on people and whether it's the introduction of people that are, that are putting something in front of me. And then of course the team and looking into things and doing my own kind of due diligence. Some I do more than others. Some I just, obviously depends like I, I look at investments similar to poker tournaments as well because like it's funny at the world series let's just take it to keep it simple there's 500 buying tournaments up to you know million or a hundred thousand dollar buying that i've played there 111 thousand buying one drop so like you know it's different right you might put x amount in one investment x in another you might be putting more putting more time or helping in some investment or not um so it's all it's very interesting right because you could play a hundred thousand dollar buying tournament in min cash and like that's a decent ROI and you could put in, you know, um, play a $1,000 buy-in tournament and make the final table and only make 20 grand or 10 grand, right? So I need 20X. So like bet sizing is important to understand like the size of the bet you want to do. And if, you know, sometimes you can't even get it down as much as you want, right? Because mm-hmm. like maybe in this particular investment, you can only put this uh, or that. And, you know, for me, it's about the, t- the people, the team and understanding that a lot of things are going to lose. You know, business is very hard. Similar to restaurants, and stuff, right? Like I, I'm in a spot where I've sprinkled a lot. So I've got a lot of like different bet sizes down on, on investments. And I don't really know yet how it'll do. And of course there'll be luck. Like look at COVID, you know, that, that can affect the business and the trajectory tremendously. That's an extreme event, right? This is once in a lifetime, hopefully 
you know, this was the first, you know, in what, since the last maybe 100 years ago or something like this was, was seen. So, like, that's an unknown. That's also why I like being diverse. I look at the Kelly criterion, which is about bet sizes. It's a very interesting principle and in how much your net worth and what you should put in a bet. Um, and it's like, it's just hard to say, right? Because we're, we're early. I don't, I don't luckily so far, I don't have a lot of, they're just like folded really only one or two businesses. I think that have been involved with either putting in money or getting equity that have sort of closed up shop or sort of don't look like they're going to make it, or they did actually just sort of fold. Um, so I have a lot of my stuff that's sort of germinating and it's hard to say, you know, I know exiting is very difficult too. I, some, a lot of companies have been raising more money or at bigger valuations and sort of progressing nicely but it's still very difficult uh, to know. And I won't know yet, right? Like I just won't know. And there's a couple that look like clear winners right now that I'm like, wow, this is like really could be a massive return and it's going well, but still until it's exited, until things are closed, until all is done, you know, I don't believe it until I see it. Um, and uh, yeah, so again, so it's so a kind of long-winded answer about Lasso, I got introduced to a contact, through a contact that I trust and believe in, we shared deal flow and then kind of looked into it, spoke with Partha, and, you know, just, I get it. Like I also being having athletics in my background, understanding about nice, you know, niche stuff that can be very valuable and, and, and used and that can scale, um, you know, just all look like a good fit. And I was, you know, I was on board to, to come in and, and even some of my contacts, like, you know, Phil Helmuth came in. I think I'm pretty sure I bought him this one. It's hard to keep track because we're on like literally, I think 18 or 19 deals together. And like, we would just throw it back and forth and sort of share our Rolodex and, and, and contacts, but um, you know, I showed him and he came in and looked at it. And it's nice when you have friends uh, that come in or you do due diligence when a friend's going to recommend it to you. Phil comes in and says, Hey, I'm investing in this. I like it. And here's so-and-so I'm like, okay. And vice versa. If I tell him, look, I'm putting some money in and this is this and that, and this is what I think it's like, I don't have to go through the, cause it takes a lot of time. There's paperwork, there's due diligence, there's this, there's that, even how yeah. taxes are coming up. It's yeah. a lot, right? To like, you start like, oh, it's great to invest in everything, but it also does take time, effort, work, and um, you you want to be selective in, in in that sense. So that's that's some of the things I look at. But generally, it's just people. I'm looking at the company, the person, and running it, and then also the people that are bringing me, introducing me to it. That's a great answer. I love that, man. And then, um, you know, kind of kind of just uh, to close out, I guess for our listeners, for anybody who wants to learn more about what you're up to, or you know, get a better insight into how you operate, what they can learn from you, et cetera. Um, what are the ways in which people can engage with you? Yeah, I mean, uh, the most, uh, the thing I like to kind of do my, the most of my own is, is Instagram. I just kind of like do some stories and, and keep up with sort of different things, travel or whatnot. Uh, I have, I do have a, the podcast, this is Jeff Girls podcast and then Jeff Girls Poker. It's across all socials. Like that's literally any, any social, Facebook, um, you know, Snapchat even, which I don't use much, but TikTok, I've got something there. And then Twitter, Instagram, um, YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, Jeff Gross Poker as well. A lot of like repurposed highlights and, and streams as well as some live vlogs. But I, I'd say like Instagram is the best way uh, to keep up. And then I have a Discord and uh, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty across all the, the socials and different different current. It's hard. There's new stuff popping up all the time. It's hard to keep up. But the, the main ones, I do have stuff and you know, I'm, I'm relatively active and have people on social media team that helps do stuff because it is a bit overwhelming. It's a rabbit hole. You can find yourself doing stuff and being on it for a long, long time. So I, I, I try to stay active, try to put out a lot of content and, and those are the best ways to, to be follow along. 
Awesome. Love it, man. Thank you for coming on. I think it was just amazing to to get the way that you think out in front of people to for everybody to explore that. I think out of out of, you know, probably all the people I know, you're one of the most structured and thoughtful and disciplined in terms of how your mind works. And I think it's just a really, really great trait. So thanks for coming on and kind of showcasing that for us. Awesome. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. This was this was very cool. And yeah, let me know when it's out. I'll be sure to, to put it out and uh, congrats on your guys' podcast. Looks like you got a lot of success and it's moving and growing. And I know how much work and effort it takes because most people I know have tried it. They've started it when they say, and then they kind of just like lay down because it's it's not easy to start from uh, something. And you, know, you could go back to those proverbs about the first step is, you know, and, uh, that's the key, but a lot of people just don't do it. And, and again, I, I'm sure you guys love it and you enjoy it and that's the key. And then from there, whatever else happens is, is gravy. So yeah, congrats and thank you for having me on. Thanks, awesome. Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Well,